On this week's episode of the Games Beat Decides podcast, we have the MPD Report, Resident Evil 2, and Kingdom Hearts 3. It's garbage, but it's a part of me. It's the internet, you're busy, let's do this. Welcome to the Games Beat Decides podcast. This is the podcast where we decide everything happening in the world of video games so you don't have to think for yourself. I'm your host, Jeffrey Grubb. With me is... Mike Minotti. Mike Minotti is here, everybody. I'm very excited about that. I don't know about all you out there, but I am. That's all that matters. In today's episode, <laughs> in today's episode, we're going to go over the news. Whoa. We're going to talk about some games. Crazy. But first, I want to thank everybody for joining us. Uh, you can get more from me and Mike at gamesbeat.com. If you have something to, sh- something to share with us, you can email the podcast at games plus podcast at venturebeat.com. Get us on Twitter at, at gamesbeat or at gbdecides. If you're watching this on Facebook or YouTube or listening to it on the uh, little player on the website, you could subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and more. If you like the show, rate us on Apple Podcasts. It helps people find the show. And then finally, thank you to Carlos Ayin for uh, who is Insane in the Rain music on YouTube for the use of our theme song. All right, so Mike, um, we've been we started that eco game. I guess we, we want to start there. Yeah, sure. I so know, it's the big the big eco, eco game. It's going. Yeah, like we kind of hopped in yesterday was the first day. Uh, we're recording this on a uh, Thursday. We started on Wednesday. Uh, we both hopped in. We we both hopped in. We both started playing, and uh, there's a lot of people in there. I think we had like 75 total log on so far, or something like that. Not bad. I don't. I don't know. What, what are your thoughts? That was a it's cue cool. for you to start talking. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fun. I mean, you know, it's a little overwhelming. Like I'm not <laughs> so far. I'm mostly like just trying to make a nice house. <laughs> like <laughs> like I'm playing Minecraft or something. You know, right? Like I'm trying to like help where I can. Yeah, so it's definitely, like, you've never played before, so you hopped in blind, and it is kind of overwhelming to figure out, like, what you should be doing. But the truth is, you probably should get your house set up first, because that's one of the main ways that you get skill points, and you need those skill points to be a specialist, and you need to, need to be a specialist to be useful to the to the group. Um, but once you had your house set up, you're like, all right, what should I do? And then you started looking into farming and gathering and all that stuff, and uh, that's been a challenge, because we set up in a really weird spot. So I guess for people that... So people that, that don't know, Eco is kind of like, it's Minecraft with a lot of systems. It's a kind of a survival game, although you can't die, like your character personally can't die. It's just that there's a meteor coming to destroy the planet in 30 days, and either that's going to kill you, or you could kill the planet uh, by overmining or polluting, uh, or by putting a bunch of carbon, monox- or carbon dioxide into the atmosphere and stuff like that. So... That's where the survival element comes in. You're trying to make sure the planet doesn't get get destroyed. Um, and, and so you you want to work together to make sure that you're working towards this goal of being able to destroy the meteor, but in a responsible way. Um, and it has all of these different factors about like how stuff is going to work. So like Mike is doing farming, and and you found out so far that like we have no real good fertile land where we no, settled, right? Like where we settled, like the land is garbage, and I don't know. Like I'm I, I need to research to see if I have to just like move far away from everybody to make my farm or if through like fertilizing and other things, I can just make the, some of the land around us suitable for farming. Like I'm not right. sure. 
Right, yeah. And so it's like some of that's going to be trial and error. We do have some people who've done that kind of thing before so we can get some help there. But the point is just like uh, we're going to probably for a while now, we're going to be pretty strapped for food and we're going to have to either start trading with other groups or um, I don't want straight up like I mean, we have them. some people fishing and hunting, but I assume that those resources can probably you can probably ruin those pretty quickly, huh? Yeah, so I think it. one of the fish at least is actually starting to get pretty close to being endangered. So, so th- these are all things that can happen. Like if, if, like one of the easy things to get early on is like uh, huckleberries, uh, so, and you need a lot of huckleberries to make a lot of uh, of the early recipes f- for food. Um, and then all of a sudden, like there's no more huckleberries growing anywhere, and people aren't like planting them, so they don't they aren't growing back. And you know, if you eat all those huckleberries those seeds aren't spreading the way they should be naturally. So they aren't going to grow out in nature. You have to actually physically go out there, take the seeds and do them yourself. So, you know, and we, we aren't doing a lot of that stuff. So we're going to have to start putting in place laws, which there's a legal system in this game. So we can like force people to like abide certain practices and standards. Like what you have that, to be, when you make a law, out. like what enforces that exactly? The, the game, game, the game just, the game treats it as a, a binding rule of the game. So if you were to make a law that said, um, you know, you just can't hunt bison anymore. Then when you tried to shoot an, an, a bow and arrow at a bison, the arrow would hit it. And then it would be like, actually, no, this isn't going to, this doesn't do anything to the bison for like three days until the law is either repealed or expires naturally. So, uh, yeah, and the, the, but the law system is very, it takes 24 hours to pass and it has to get a majority vote. Um, so that already, that's a pretty big barrier and it's time consuming. And also it's like really draconian, like it's very uh, strict. So, and it's, and it doesn't always work best. Cause um, the people who like freak out, like, oh, you see that. Okay. The bison are almost all gone. Well, the hunters understand what that means. And, right. and everyone else is still going to freak out about that. Cause like, well, I need meat, but I, I can't go out and get it myself. We should just pass a law that says you can't hunt bison. But that sort of like centralized thinking doesn't work as well as like, if we just say, okay, hunters, you have to be a certain level of hunter to hunt bison. And you guys should just make the decisions. Uh, and, 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 but then you could pass a law like that, but then that law is a lot more complicated and it's not going to have the same sort of like oomph to it. If you just pass a law that says no hunting bison, people are going to be much more for that because they understand that. So it's like, it's this really tough balance of getting people on the same page. And maybe the law system is like useful in certain circumstances, but you probably shouldn't rely on it too much because you should just talk to people face to face. Like we built a bridge. I've started building a bridge from our, our continent to the desert across the ocean because we need to get to this desert because it has sandstone. Um, How's that bridge come cha- by the way? Uh, it's, it's almost there. Uh, yeah, it was like, I, I went to bed last night. It was three fourths of the way there. So uh, I don't know. I think I told some people to finish it today. I doubt that's going to happen until I go on do, and do it. But the, uh, one of the other com- communities that, that is playing with us, I think, I think it's the waypoint community. They're settled on the North side of that desert that we're headed to. So I think late last night they're playing the game and they're like, Oh, let's look around a little bit. And they discover this huge land bridge coming from this other continent that they know that we're all at. And they like were like, uh-oh, invasion is happening. So they start really getting kind of worried. And they, they immediately tried to pass a law to like claim that bridge land as um, neutral ground. And, you know, th- that's not too bad because it's like, okay, I, I'm okay with the bridge being neutral ground. I was always intending to keep it open because I want to have like that free trade between the two continents. But it's still kind of like... Guys, I built that bridge by myself. I put like actual work into it because it's not, this is not, this game's not like Minecraft. You can't have 900 stone in your pocket at one time. You could carry 20 and then you could get like a cart that you have to like be able to navigate through the woods without it getting stuck and stuff. Uh, and that can carry like 200 more. So it's like actual labor to build stuff in this game. It's like actual work. And that's like one of the reasons the whole game works because you want it to feel like you ha- it has to feel like labor so that you people, um, 
will treat the, the those actions with some like um, gravitas. Um, but but yeah, so when they when they tried to pass that law, I'm like, man, that kind of stinks. Like I did all that work, and now they're like freaking out and trying to like like give this to gov- give this to the government. I'm like, yeah. you know, if you guys want to help a little bit, maybe, but no one helped. So I'm like, eh, actually, this law stinks. Can we just get it retracted? And we talked it out, and that's what happened. So I felt pretty good about that in the end. Um, but yeah, like it's o- it's only been one day. We've already had a ton of stories. It's already kind of been like, yeah, I was trying to build a house. I didn't understand what's going on. So it's kind of basically like. Like drop piles <laughs> of wood in a square. <laughs> it was like very Yeah, we got to put us. We got to get a new, a post up just about that first day and about that because that was pretty funny to see. Um, it was uh, yeah, it was, it's fun to like have all, all these people that like have played before and have a bunch of new people, sort of figuring it out and sort of figuring out how like like where you fit in and stuff. Um, but yeah, we got to figure out what we're doing with our land. We have a ton of trees and we have a ton of like other kinds of stone, but the stone is like too tough for us to break with our primitive pickaxes so once we get iron going we'll be okay on a lot of those resources but food's going to be a problem so uh, i think like i said we have that bridge and on the other side of the bridge we already have some masons in the desert that we've settled there so i think we might have mike just continue north and maybe take the food operations for further north maybe have zach go with you and have you guys just settle up that way um yeah exactly so yeah we'll keep everybody updated this is going to go for four weeks so i think the way it's set up I would imagine at the difficulty we have it set at, we won't have the meteor uh, defeated anytime early. So on that fourth podcast uh, from now, um, you know, month from now, we'll probably be able to come back and talk about it and say like whether or not we did it or not, or whether or not we have like two or three to three more days left to actually do it. So yeah, exciting stuff. Very much looking forward to like playing a ton of that. Um, I, I, just tell me, how are you feeling about it in general? I, yeah, I can see fun. you running on throughout the day. Yeah, like there's I mean, like there's honestly, some, there's I'm on it right, it, right now, just kind of working on my house. So <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah, exactly. So it, it has that going for it, and then there's just all these deep like meta layers and all these other like uh, deep personal gameplay layers that you can also get into as well if you wanted to. Um, it's fun stuff. So. We'll we'll kind of we'll come back and talk about that each week for the next couple of weeks, but uh, yeah, so definitely tune in that. And if you guys want to follow along, we'll be streaming it some on Gamesbeat and uh, Twitch.tv/slash/Gamesbeat. And um, the big eco game TBEG is the hashtag hashtag TBEG on Twitter. Um, but Mike, let's uh, with eco out of the way. I think there's like some other small game that you played. <laughs> we both uh, reviewed a big game. We uh, did actually. Week, really. uh, yeah. you, you, you should I get Resident Evil Two out of the way? Because I feel like I could out be a way. quicker. Because we talked about it. Yeah, you well, can start with that. I guess we right. talked about it a little bit last week, so I feel yeah. like I can kind of just pick it up from there. Um, it's good. It's a good game. Like uh, I feel like uh, people that played the one shot demo will understand what I mean. Like uh, you know, it's just a solid, well made horror game and action game. And I think that's one of the big takeaways that I had from it is that it's. Um, it is simultaneously both in a way that Resident Evil has previously chosen to be one or the other. You know what I mean? Like Resident Evil 1 and 2, these early games, they were like, you know, survival horror. And then Resident Evil 4 comes away, comes along, and it's it's much more of an action game. Um, this game sort of combines all the elements of the best Resident Evil games, and it strikes that balance between the two, between action and horror. And um, the way it does that is it's you know, you you are running low on ammo in a way that you wouldn't have really ever been in Resident Evil 4. Um, and so you do have to sort of like run through zombies and just like like really figure out the best way to approach a room if it's like com- like completely full. Like some like I got into a situation where I'm in the like these jail cells and I was just trying to open up this one cell. So of course they all open and every single one has a zombie in it, of course. And I'm stuck and I use a little bit of ammo 
And, and of course, like right when I'm in this, the situation where I run out of ammo and I have like six zombies in front of me, one of the big kind of boss level zombies shows up or boss level enemies shows up. So now I'm dealing with all of these guys. And so I'm just like, you know what? I'm going to use this one health item that makes me take less damage when I take a bite or take a hit. And I'm just going to try to get out of here. And I had to just run through them because I had no choice and my knife broke. So I couldn't really fight them off. And so I just had to take the bites, take the punches. And I got out of there with like a sliver of health. And just and just finally got to the next room and was able to escape them and find a place to like recoup, recover, and then start figuring out where I was going to get more ammo from. So you're in those situations that that you never would have got in a Resident Evil 4. But at the same time, when it does come time to shoot your weapon and it does come time to like get in those action sequences, it's over the shoulder and you are, you know, you're aiming down sights and you are trying you're lining it up and trying to get those headshots, and it feels yeah, it feels very nice. So it's just this really smart balance that I've been, I was really happy with. Um, yeah, I've been playing it a little bit myself and I really like it's like yeah, like when you miss with your gun it feels oh, painful. Yes. Like uh like sometimes like you start panicking cuz the zombies getting closer and like their head moves and it's kind of like deliberate wobbly way so it's hard to mm-hmm. land those shots. You're like, "Oh god, I can't really afford to be missing this much." Yeah, exactly, which is one of the I'm like, "Man, playing the, I tried to play a little bit on a controller and I missed like three shots in a row. I'm like, okay, fuck this going back to the PC. Man, so being on PC would be what I yeah, it helped. But you know, you still, you still miss the occasional shot. And it's like, even when you hit all of your shots, it's not like you have, you'll ever have enough ammo to clear out a room. So I started, I remembered like, Oh yeah, this system or this game has that really good, uh, like, uh, uh, body damage system. So I just like, when I re- realized how low I was on ammo and how many zombies were still roaming around the, the, the police station, I just started putting three bullets into their, into their thighs, into one of their thighs, so their leg would fall off and force them to crawl around the ground. And I would just leave them like that, and I would deal with them later. Um, and, and that really kind of changed things for me, where I'm like, right. these guys are still on the ground. They're still a threat if I get close enough. Um, but for the most part, I'm able to like survive these rooms. I, I could survive these encounters. I'm not winning them. I'm not coming out like, oh, heroic. Like, oh, yeah, every single zombie in that room is down. Yes, I could just, I could still get to where I need to go. And and shifting my thinking to that, which again is something that never would have happened in like f- four or five or six, um, it felt it was, felt really what good. What was seven like? Because I didn't really play that. Like, so I I, I played it a, like a very tiny bit. I haven't played it enough. Um, but from my understanding, seven is um, you know, it, it's much more of a horror game. It's first person. I, I don't know if you are ever really getting into a lot of combat. I think it's much more much more running away. I think for the most part. Um, and. It, I, you know, it seemed very inspired by PT. Like, I mean, just that seems like that's what that game was, which makes sense. Um, you know, this game does have like a lot of like from the elements that I noticed from seven, which is just like the great atmosphere, the great graphics, great visuals. It's using the same engine. It's really good. And it like, looks even the character animations are just like really well done. Like you way more than you would like, I guess I should expect it now, but like then you would expect from Capcom if that makes any sense. Yeah. No, it does totally. It's like it's I'm closer to Red Dead Redemption Two than it is to like Assassin's Creed Odyssey in terms of like some of that stuff. Yes, for sure. Yeah, and it's uh, and it all looks very smooth and and thoughtful and like it was very considered by the artist, which is I think I you know I think this is this kind of, this is the kind of stuff that I think the RE engine does really well and they they're showing it off here and it doesn't get in the way of the gameplay ever, which I'm I'm happy with. Oh, although 
it does get in the way, but in the way that it's supposed to, like it's supposed to be a survival horror. So when you're picking up stuff off the ground or whatever, it's supposed to be like a slightly slow thing where you're like, you're like, man, there's a zombie coming down the hallway. He's 20 feet away. I have time, but it still makes me super uncomfortable. I get those weird tingles on the back of my neck, just bending down to get this thing off the ground. Oh God, this is scary. And then you get it and you're like, ah, and you run away. Cause you're just not even going to look back. And that's all an intended effect of the way the game is set up. And I really like that. So yeah, it's a, it's a good game. Now, all that said, I, I do prefer the, the action style Resident Evil games, which is just, you know, that's that's me. I'm broken in that way. And I'm sorry for the people that prefer the other kinds of Resident Evil games, but I'm not saying those games are bad in any way. They're not. They're good and they're, they're better for you and, and they're probably better overall, but I just prefer the action games. Um, so when so when this game is like it's going to be um, a, a balance of the two, it, it does for me. It feels like, oh, well, it's more of a horror game. So I'm like, you know, I like that still, but it's not nearly as much as, as what I like from Resident Evil 4. So, uh, so it doesn't quite click as perfectly for me. And yet, even without having that perfect, like, oh, this is a game made for the kind of person that I am, even though it doesn't do that, it's still a game that I had fun with the entire time. I was never bored. It is super, like, super well-made to the point where I'm like, you know, this is still, I can recognize this as a great game, even when I am, uh, when even when I'm like, it's like not exactly the game that I would make if I were in charge of Resident Evil. Yeah, I was like way too much of a coward back when like one and two and like three were originally oh, yeah. coming out. Same. So uh, three, uh, four was the first one I really played. And I liked it a lot. But the one thing I like here that, you know, I, I never really experienced because I didn't play this game is all these kind of puzzle elements, all this kind of almost adventure gamey stuff. Like, it's not, like, ever super intense. It's never, like, quite as, like, involved as, like, a Monkey Island or something. But I like that element a lot. You know, it's very charming at this point, isn't it, to have a game with this kind of stuff in it? Yeah, um, it does feel old school. It's like, yeah, we got to get the medallion, and we have to find the spade keys. So we can open up the spade door, you know? Yeah, and it's like, oh, well, this place used to be a museum, so that makes sense. I'm like, fucking no, it doesn't, but I love it. Yeah, sure, why not? Yeah, I feel like yeah, they, exactly. yeah, they tried to explain it. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm like, all right, whatever. <laughs> Um, but no, I like it. Yeah. Like all that stuff is super, it's, it's, I associate that with Resident Evil. I definitely remember that from the Resident Evil remake that I did play on GameCube and really liked. Um, and then of course they continued that in two and, uh, which is not a game I played as much as, as, as the first Resident Evil or Resident Evil four. Um, but yeah, that just, it's from a different time and place and yet preserving it in this reimagining remake, it, it works. It feels, it feels like it is still from that place in time, but in a way that's like, uh, it, it doesn't feel burdensome, bur- like cum- it doesn't feel cumbersome. It doesn't feel obtuse. It just feels like, okay, you, they, they want you to move around the space. They want you to move back and forth. And, and this is a really interesting way to like, make sure that you are popping back and forth between like, oh, you know, the statues here, you know, there's that one door there on the map that takes the, the, you know, the spade key. So now that you have the spade key, get back there, get the thing from there and then come back to the statue. And it's like, okay, yeah, I get this. And it's nice. And so it's, it's a good reason to do all that stuff. And it's like also super easy to remember. Like, oh, yeah, I know that door's the heart key door. Like, I saw it a million times. It's in my head. So it's like, yeah, why not just use these very obvious icons? So, yeah, it works. I uh, I think I ended up giving it, I gave it a, an 85 out of 100. So I really liked it. But, yeah, uh, why don't we Moving get on, on to more Kingdom Hearts 2? Three, yeah. whatever it is. It's worth the three now, actually, yes. <laughs> Man, already? Oh, we're there. <laughs> All right, tell, tell me about this game, Mike. Uh, tell me about I mean, it Kingdom is, Hearts. It, it is I, haven't, I haven't heard it, you really say anything about it, so I'm interested yeah. to get through this. Let's find out what's happening. I mean, you're, look, it's not going to suddenly turn you into a Kingdom Hearts fan. In fact, if you don't like Kingdom Hearts, you may, you know, 
dislike this maybe even more than some of the other ones. Because <laughs> I mean, those elements that people don't like about they're kind of ridiculous. Uh, I don't know if ridiculous is even the word. Bad story, <laughs> right? Um, the kind of you know ridiculous anime esque like characters. Uh, I mean, what is it that you don't like about Kingdom Hearts? Maybe you could articulate it for me. Well, I okay, I never really minded. Like, I the story never bothered me. I just didn't care. But I don't care about a lot of video game stories, so I felt that, that was fine to me. Um, my thing was just like I and I didn't I didn't play the remake or the the uh, HD update. I played the original, and it was um, you know bad camera, bad pacing. Um, the the gameplay was was kind of like when you're doing like the core stuff, like the combat. Uh, it wasn't great. It felt like you had to be using very specific things at specific times. It was kind of weird, but you know, whatever games were weird back then, but then like you get to like stupid sections, like the, the ship sections between levels and stuff. And it's just like, what is happening? And you have to like go through very specific tunnels, I think to like get to certain levels. And if you don't go that way, you get like this recursive loop where like, you're like, why am I stuck? Like, why am I not moving along? And it was just very frustrating. It, it was no it is a bad game in those terms it is a very poorly designed game i am not gonna i mean some of those things you said are real complaints like the camera pacing sure i don't i don't really mean the combat i love kingdom Hearts combat out of all like it was, the, the it, action know, it, rpgs it was, i play i love this the, you, i don't know sure, i love this kind of keyblade yeah. the pace of it uh stuff that, like that. you know that the key hitting stuff with the keyblade does feel good that's true it's just someone like i think there was the, the hercules battles felt I can't remember. There was one that, like, you know, my wife, my wife played through most of it, but she would get the sections. She's like, I'm so frustrated. And I wanted her to keep playing because she enjoys the game overall. Uh, so I would help her get through these sections. And I'm like, you know, you're not bad. This just actually sucks. This really does suck. Like, this is not you. This is the game. So I, I remember that happening over and over. And then, like, getting near the end of the game, it was like, no, this is the worst one yet. So it's like, <laughs> I can't remember the exact details, but I remember feeling that way. But um, I... I then I think I began Kingdom Hearts 2 with her, and it was just like we got stuck on that, that, that or that beach section was really long, I think. Or maybe that's the first one. I can't remember. Either way, yeah, first the series just the leaves section. a bad taste in my mouth, and it's not the story. It's not that stuff. And I think it'll probably, I, I would imagine this game might solve some of my issues, actually. Maybe. So the I'm pacing just... in the beginning is actually very quick compared to 1 and 2. It, it actually gets that's going crazy. relatively quickly. Like almost, it seems like almost as a response to the criticism of two, which has a very long right. opening. Now, part of the reason is because like some of these past games were practically like the prologue for this. Like Dream Drop Distance was basically just setting up Kingdom Hearts oh, three, right. anyways. <laughs> the, um, so it's already had its long demo. drawn out. <laughs> yeah, right. Intro. It was a yeah, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, I mean, the, the the really cool things here are like the Disney aspects to me. That stuff is just so well done here now. Um, I mean, so many of these can, worlds can that I ask are you, inspired. One of the, one of the things yeah. I've heard people saying is that the Disney stuff, when you look back, especially at the story, Disney stuff doesn't matter. It's all this other stuff that actually matters. Yes, that's pretty much true. So t- okay, so yeah, take take it from there. I, I just want to hear like if you like address that. Um, I mean, gosh, the weird thing is that uh, that used to annoy me in the fact that like I want to get back to the Kingdom Hearts story, and now I more like oh, I like just these individual stories in the Disney worlds maybe more because I mean like the actual plot uh kind of like moves forward from cutscenes that happen in between though sometimes like there are some things like you'll run into like a bad guy from the main story in each world. But there's not a whole lot of going on there that's moving things along. There's not even that much of a reason to be in these worlds in these games. Like, in Kingdom Hearts 1, you're, like, looking for uh, your friends and stuff. This one, Sora's like, I need to get stronger. I need to get the power of awakening or something. We don't know how to get it. So let's just kind of wander around and see what happens. 
Is he a Vince McMahon character? Uh, gotta be strong. Gotta yeah, put him over. Like that. But I mean, yeah, it's, it's funny because I could talk about this game in so many ways that would make you think I hate it. And to be clear, I loved it and gave it like a 90 out of 100. Uh, like, like a lot of it is, you know, the pacing could be weird, but it just sometimes it just dumps narrative things. It'll just invent things like suddenly there's time travel. Suddenly there's clones just to basically write itself like out of a corner. It's garbage, right? And yeah, and there's yeah, it's garbage. Nothing wrong but, with garbage, though, right? I think. But I like garbage sometimes. Yeah, me too. You know? Yeah, like McDonald's is garbage, but we, you know, we sh- yeah. we shovel it down there, and it tastes good going down. There's For no sure. nutritional it, value it, to it. I'm not learning anything about myself <laughs> or many. All it is is my connection with these characters because I've been playing these games for 17 years, and that is something. You know, it's not mu- It's not like again, it's nothing right. good for you, but. But it's, it's still personal. It's still you. It's still right. a part of you. Like, I'm still having yeah. strong emotional reactions because I'm like, oh, wow, ooh, you know, this, this kind of thing and whatnot. But again, it's like, garbage, but it's a it's a part of you. And that, yeah. I, I think it describes most of the things I enjoy in life. So I'm I'm, I'm, I'm OK with that. And again, like like when you go to like uh, like the Toy Story world, it's, it is insane just how much it just looks like one of the Toy Story movies now. Um, like some of the worlds that basically like kind of repeat the plot of the games like Tangled in or the movies, Tangled and Frozen especially, and they'll just, like, recreate whole scenes from the movies. It is, like, nuts. Like, eh, that's pretty much kind of what it looks like in the movie. It's not that far off. And they're using an in-game engine to do it. It, it is nice to get to that point, isn't it? Like, right. It is, it is kind of cool that we are there. Because, like, even Kingdom Hearts 1, it was never quite that. It was it was neat right. sometimes. But it's not just the graphics, like, the animation and everything. I was like, geez, this is kind of nuts. So... I mean, I guess keep telling me other things you like, because I, I like it. I, I would like to hear the stuff that is an issue beyond like the pacing. But like, what else do you really, really like about this game? So, man, the thing that really made me oddly happy was Donald and Goofy in it. And I, I kind of felt like they were given more more of their due this time. Uh, like even Kingdom Hearts 1, it sometimes seems like like they're always there. Kingdom Hearts 2 is even right. had its problem more. It doesn't seem like they're necessarily involved a lot of the time or sometimes they'll kind of just be pushed out of the way. And like the game, like almost teases it's going to do that sometimes. Like, no, 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 they're 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 here. Um, like people just acknowledge them more. It just seems like they have more to do, uh, and they both have some like some some kind of uh, neat moments in the game, kind of cutscene wise. And just uh, plus this time, you don't have to like take them out of your party to get the other people in from like the world. So like you know, Woody and Buzz just instead of you having to like get rid of Don Goofy, they're just also there with Don and Goofy. Now you have like a five person. Okay. Party. Which is neat. Okay, very cool. Um, and then That's some cool. of the some of the worlds. No, sorry, yeah, some of the worlds are like kind of nuts. Uh, like the Pirates of the Caribbean level, right? Which I wasn't really looking forward to. I was like, oh, a world based on Pirates of the Caribbean three. Okay, <laughs> but like the world is actually like a mini open world pirate game, and you like have your own pirate ship. It's kind of like Kingdom Hearts Black Flag. And, like, you literally, like, have, like, a map and there's, like, these islands you can go explore. And you really don't have to, but you can, like, do that and level up your ship. And it's just, like, one of the seven or whatever worlds. Huh. It's neat. And then, like, the, the Big Hero Sith World is also kind of like that, but, like, just more like a city. Where it's, like, almost like one of the superhero games all of a sudden. Where, like, not necessarily, like, it doesn't have, like, a lot of, like, a whole lot of content to back it up. But the structure of it is, sure. this is, like, an open world. For this level, yeah, but that, like, that's, I mean, I wouldn't corridors. expect that at all. I wouldn't right. have any expectation for that. So if I came across that without knowing it in the game, 
I, that would blow my mind. If right. When that opened up, I was like, geez, this is like <laughs> a pretty ambitious for what this is. And that city's got like great art design and stuff. So seeing that in like a high quality, like it's really cool. It's like, yeah, run around it. Cause yeah, it's that San Francisco thing. Uh, yeah. And, like looks really freaking nice. I mean, even when, like, but it's just so cool how they can adapt the styles too. like the parts of the Caribbean world is much more realistic looking and not just the world, but like, Sora, even Donald and Goofy, they suddenly like have more realistic looking character models. <laughs> like you can see like the feathers kind of stand out more in Donald. Mm. Uh, there's just more detail and stuff. Like it's not like weird, but it does a better job of making it slightly less ridiculous that Donald Duck is standing next to Johnny Depp. <laughs> By the way, it, like, I'm sure it wasn't Johnny Depp. I forgot to check, but they got a pretty good sound alike this time. It was kind of nuts. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah like, I would, I would look because like maybe they could just uh, have that guy come and just like do a CG Johnny Depp in other movies, now, so, <laughs> so people don't have to work with that guy anymore. There, there are some like like the I, I, some that's surprising the people they did get like Kristen Bell is is in it uh, and stuff like that, and then even when they do get sound effects, it ranges from like oh that's passable to being pretty freaking like good. So Kristen Bell though's got a long history of working in video games though. She remember she That's was in true. the first Assassin's Creed, yeah. like in the second like, one, and then the third one. Then they killed her because like we didn't want. Yeah, to exactly. You know, like uh, man, you were a bit expensive. too expensive or whatever. Yeah. She was yeah, a triple she, agent sleeper or something. <laughs> and she, yeah, and she like gave away like the fact that it was um like a sci-fi plot and not just a historical setting yeah. before like Ubisoft did. It was very good. The, the the one real like complaint, the thing that maybe bothers me the most, at least aside like the story stuff, sometimes I'm like, all right, I wish that this was simpler. But uh, you know, I can I, at least I actually know what's happening because I'm a freak who's played all these games. But the one thing is just the the combat kind of can't help itself sometimes with all these sort of like special flourish move things and the way it works like it's basically when you unlock one of these and it could be anything from you summon magic like teacup ride uh or uh like a carousel like these theme park things that's one of them then like donald and goofy will just randomly be like team up with me for this special attack then with your keyblade depending on which keyblade it is it'll have access to other special attacks that like, you just have to do a very small combo to, to access those. And anytime any of these become available, you just have to push the triangle button to activate it. And it's like, it'll be there for like, you have 10 seconds to do it, and there's like a countdown thing. And these things will trigger so much that you might have like three of them like stocked up. And each time you do it, it's this giant extravagant like thing uh, with like, it's not even so much that like it's, it's long, because you can skip the cutscenes for most of them if you want to. It's just like, Every it, 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 they happen so often that I'm like, you know, I kind of would just let them swing my keyblade at some people. Like, so it just feels like it's a it's a disrupting the flow of the fight. At, yeah, at, it's, well, it's just too much because it's, yeah, it's like every single fight, you know, I'm becoming the destroyer of worlds. You know what I mean? Right, right, yeah. And yes, it, it's 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 the point where like you don't act, you don't have to use them, but it, it feels like it feels bad not to. Like, well, I got the special thing, right? Yeah. It's like imagine yeah, you like, work towards that. So it's the, the thing you're working towards. So like why you're not working towards because you, you kind of like I, I feel like I should be working towards it, but you kind of just realize the sort of either random or almost accidental nature of unlocking them. I, I got to a point where I just wasn't using them nearly as much, unless it was one that was going to do like a lot of specific kind of damage. Like some of them are real good single targets. Some of them are real good sort of like kill everything in the room. And if I'm like in a situation where I'm fighting just one big boss, or I'm fighting a bunch of small things, I, I would try to use them. But a lot of times it was just kind of like, man, this is a bit much. It'd be like playing Final Fantasy VII where you got a limit break every other turn, you know? Right, yeah. No, yeah, for sure. Um, 
So just like a, they're not very restrained is kind of like the issue there. It's right. Like There's a lot of excess so... in the game. And I mean, the series has always been a bit excessive, but the excessiveness is certainly like reached a boiling point this time. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Any, any, any I got, okay. Where, where does it go from here? I mean, well, I, know, I know, I know we waited this long for this game and it feels kind of maybe a little, um, shitty to be like, all right, now where's kingdom hearts four. Right. But, yeah. But I guess where's kingdom hearts four. Like, is that, well, is that next? Is that going to happen? Something's going to happen. The nice thing is that they, they, and the ending, I don't want to say it suffers through it, but like there's a lot to get through in the ending because, you know, they are tying up loose ends. That's the nice right. thing, right? They are not leaving too much. They leave, you know, the, I'm not saying it, it doesn't close out the series uh, without giving enough away, but if there is a next Kingdom Hearts, it's not going to be like this where people are going to need to watch three hour long YouTube explanations on what's going on. Right. Okay. Which I think is that's. Nice. And it's good think, because I'm going to take are, that as a kindness almost right. from and Square Enix. Like, thank you, Square Enix, for doing that. And it's nice, too, because if you are invested in it, like I admittedly am, then you do get a lot of this, you know, closure and stuff. I'm like, OK, good. The things are actually happening. Yeah, that's that's really nice. That's um, it's kind of I think it's it sounds like they handled it in the way they probably should have handled it after making fans wait so long. I mean, even with all those other games coming out in between still, even with those. It is. Uh, they, this is kind of what they needed to do. It's hard to imagine that Kingdom Hearts 3 is going to make very many new Kingdom Hearts fans. Uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe it will. But I, th- I definitely think for Kingdom Hearts fans, it's, you know, it definitely is, does seem sort of like, I mean, it sounds stupid to say they made this for the fans, because obviously they did. But you, you definitely get that feeling like, yeah, there was a lot of thought into trying to make sure that people who really like Kingdom Hearts and, you know, who have waited a while and stood by the series are going to be happy. And they will be. Yeah, all right, sounds good. You ready to move on to news, Mike? I'm always ready to move on. Let's do some news, Michael Manani. All right, let's get right to it. Um, It was MPD week. Yes, you see it was. that? Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, Um. so MPD put out its monthly report, but it was also its annual report for all of 2018. And uh, I think you wrote the story. They, uh, they had the big number for how much they made this year. It was $43.4 billion, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that sounds exactly right. And that covers um, game sales and like in-game like spending and all that stuff, and like mobile games. That's for everything in the United States. So that was a new record. So uh, kind of a, a really big year for gaming overall continues to grow. Uh, but then they also dropped the uh, top twenty games of the year. Um, I'm going to go over this list right now. Hang on, let me uh, make sure I have it here. Okay, should I start from twenty and work work my way up, or start I start with one? We talk about. The important things as they come up. Yeah, I think you're right. So, uh, number one was Red Dead Redemption 2, number one best-selling game of the year. It's, like, not Um, too surprising, but still interesting to see Call of Duty not be number one for once. Right. So, Call of Duty, Black Ops 4, right there at number two. I I mean, I think Black Ops 4 did really well at launch. I'm not sure if it had the exact same legs as um, other Call of Duty games, and I think probably because of Fortnite. But that's just me guessing. I don't really know. Um I mean, you 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 said it wasn't. Um, I mean, from everything else, was, but yeah, I don't I I don't know if it was that because from what I saw before, it was doing like as well ish as the last one. Uh, I, I think it was yeah, it's, Red it's Dead definitely up was there for sure. Yeah. Bigger, like Red Dead yeah, might have I mean, been, Red, Red Dead might have beat out the last two Call of Duty's too, right? That's that's true as well. Yeah, Red Red Dead Redemption Two, uh, as big as advertised, it really is as, as big as everyone was expecting. Um. Which, you know, like you said, I, I thought it was a little bit surprising, but not too surprising. Um, so, yeah, those were that's one and two. Number three was NBA 2K19, which is um, 
the third year in a row that that's the best-selling sports game of the year. Uh, also, not too surprising, those games have just been dominating on the sales charts for, for a while now. Uh, right behind that is Madden, NFL 19, so EA gets a game on right there at number four. Um, I don't know. I'm looking. I don't see another EA game until... Yeah, not, not another one in the top ten, and we'll, we'll get to that in a second. Um, and then number five, your boy, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. Hey, look at that. If only somebody thought that game was going to be a big sales success. <laughs> you call up Sakurai and congratulate him? I should. <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I, I, uh, what, I, I mean, I feel like I'm less surprised than a lot of people. Even I'm still pretty surprised that in one month without the digital sales, and you have to figure a lot of this game was sold digitally, it would still be number five best-selling game of the year. So, yeah, let's, uh, let's put that in more context. So, like Mike said... That doesn't include any digital sales because Nintendo doesn't include digital sales to like they don't share their digital sales to MPD at all. Um, I think Madden, NBA, Call of Duty, and Red Dead all include all of their console, digital, and physical sales. Uh, so there's no like trying to figure out how much Super Smash Brothers Ultimate uh, sold digitally. They, they, MPD is, doesn't try to guess; it just doesn't include it. So if you include that on top of there, you would think maybe it could move even, even further up the list, maybe. Uh, probably because it's just like I bought that game digitally. Why wouldn't you? So it's just a huge, huge success. They sent me a physical uh, copy because Nintendo's right. with that now. And I guess we uh, we could touch on that real quick. Uh, I got some notes down here for Super Smash Brothers. Um, here's what the MPD uh, MPD analyst Matt Piscatella said. Um, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate is the best selling game of December 2018, the fifth best selling game of 2018, despite digital sales not currently being tracked by MPD Group uh, for Nintendo. Uh, package software launch month dollar sales of Super Smash Brothers Ultimate exceeded those of previous best in franchise history Super Smash Brothers Ball Brawl by over seventy percent. So like way better than the Wii version, which was like you know the Wii was a huge console. Um, that game wasn't necessarily beloved, but people didn't know that. Like on no, at the time that game sold like crazy. I mean, that right. was so, the follow-up to Melee and all that stuff, yeah. I mean, right. now, one of the, like, one of the two best, or, like, one of the top three or four best-selling Wii games, for sure, I think. Um, like Mario Kart. It was, like, behind all the, like, you know, like, Wii Fit, Wii Resorts stuff. That's true, yes. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate set a new launch month dollar sales record for a platform exclusive in video game history. Uh, it exceeded the launch month dollar sales of 2010's Halo Reach, so... Yeah, I mean, I don't. There's just like no other way to put it. Like, this is the biggest console launch exclusive ever. Like, it's just or <laughs> it's console not. exclusive launch ever. Like, it's just that. Right. I mean, we were going crazy. on about you know we'll get to it later. Like how like first God of War was doing so well, and Spider Man's doing even better, right. and like this is doing better than either of those. Yeah, it's 2018. It was just like console exclusives are not only huge; they're the biggest thing in the video game industry. It feels like like yeah, if you're if next you have one Fortnite. of these console exclusives. Right, yeah, uh, yeah, totally. You're right. Fortnite is a, in a, a, a realm of its own, um, but then when it comes to like selling a, a video game for sixty dollars, uh, yeah, you just can't get better than what we had this year in terms of just sales. God of War dominated, then Spider Man did better, and then yeah, this did even better. And it's just like it shows like even with the smaller install base of the Switch, where it, it's catching up, but it's nowhere close to the PlayStation Four yet. Um, people are still so so hungry for this for software on this game that. Every time one of these big games comes out, everyone who owns a Switch is buying it. I bet the attach rate for this game is, is just astronomical. Right, and I bet a lot of, yeah, a lot of people who were just still waiting for Smash before they got their Switch. And I, I think some people thought there wouldn't be those people, but I think there definitely were those people. I think they sold a lot of Switches because of this. And attach rate's not the right term there. There's another term. Attach rate's like how many games sell per system. But I, I can't remember it. I'll have to ask Matt, or he'll listen to this and yell at me about it. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so continuing down the list. 
right behind Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, like we said, with a, you know, it did a little bit better than it. Marvel Spider Man. So, and Marvel Spider Spider Man came out in like what September? Yeah, yeah, that sounds right. So it came out in September, sold a ton right away, and uh, continued to sell really well. Um, ended up selling more than God of War. But then Smash Brothers comes out, has one month, and does just slightly better. Just super a little bit precious. less than a month. December 7th, right? Yeah. That's right. You're, so. you're right, yeah. And it's just both of these it's games the whole just really there. huge successes. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It's it's kind of just unbelievable how big of a game Smash And that game's going to have legs. No problem. Yeah. And then, like, and then that's not to take any way, anything away from Spider-Man, which is in its own right a huge game, a huge success. Like, yeah, like uh, to finish ahead of like here's the games that are behind it: Far Cry Five at number seven, number eight is God of War, number nine Monster Hunter World, and number ten Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Um, God of War, another co- console exclusive, but all those other ones are multi-platform and even have PC it versions. Is, I know we're still, yeah. a, I know we're kind of used to Monster Hunter world success at this point because it came out like what last january but it's pretty nuts that a monster hunter game was in the top 10 this year like what a turnaround for that that game did everything capcom wanted it to do yes it did it really it really bridged that gap it did, yeah they designed it to become the the monster hunter that would succeed in america and wow. voila one year later here we are um then we got in the top uh you know getting into the top uh, 10 to 20 now uh number 11 was Grand Theft Auto 5 so that game's still selling. I think this is the first time it's not in the top 10 though uh since it came out. Well now I got so, Red Dead finally I guess. I mean So now it's I, a complete failure, right? Right. I guess yeah, I mean Grand Theft Auto 5. I'm still, <laughs> I still don't know if Red Dead's going to have those legs cuz that just seems silly unprecedented but Right. I mean it's it's going to depend on Red Dead Online, isn't it? Um it, you know, I, I, I still, I said this before Red Dead came out and I still maybe think, I still might think it's true that by November 20, well, no, this isn't true because they're going to release the, uh, like a version for PC or whatever. And then they're going to release a version for the next gen consoles and that'll put it back on the chart. So like the month before it comes out on the next gen consoles or the next or, or on PC, like 11 months from now, it'll be, um, it, Grand Theft Auto Five might sell better than it might appear higher on the chart than Red Dead Redemption Two, uh, just because of Grand Theft Auto. It, it wouldn't be absolutely silly. I'd be a little surprised, but I wouldn't be right. shocked. I think there will be like one month where that happens, um, and then maybe it'll go right back to taking over. But I, just, I think that's possible. I think Grand Theft Auto Five is just that strong, and that's I don't think that's necessarily a weakness of Red Dead. That's not as strong as one of the best-selling games of all time. Like that's like that's a high bar that you just wouldn't expect any game to reach, even Red Dead. Right. Um. Let's see here. Some other highlights. Oh, okay. So Nintendo had like seven games in the top 20. Uh, at number 12 was Mario Kart 8. Uh, let's see. At 15, they had Super Mario Odyssey. And 18. Other games from last year. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. 18 was The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Super Mario Party at 19. And number 20 was Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu. And that um, game has where, two SKUs. So with those combined, right. that would have maybe been a top 10 game. Yeah. Where's the other yeah. Okay. So yeah, let's go peek. Okay. Let's go Pikachu is number, number 20. It's, um, I actually got that mixed up. So I, I thought like earlier I was looking at the December chart when I was like trying to figure out where Pokemon finished for the year. But so yeah, that's still, it's really good for them to have this many games on the top 20. Um, just like people are going out, going out to buy a system for smash clearly. And then they are picking up all the, the whole library. It feels like, it feels like they're just like, Oh yeah. I'll get I'll get Mario and Zelda while I'm at it, and why not get Super Mario Party? My friends are already going to be overplaying Smash anyway, so there's, there's yeah, just like just this huge. list of games that are like uh, must have all of these. I guess I'm going to get a Switch. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, it, it's uh, I think yeah, MPD said that this is the first time since 2009 
that Nintendo led the year as uh, the number one selling uh, publisher of software. So they made them more money from software than any other publisher in 2018. Uh, so just a huge year for, for Nintendo. Uh, you know, and it feels like a sleep year, a sleeper year. Cause I think a lot of people are just like, it wasn't as good as 2017. And in a lot of ways it was better. <laughs> so like they sold more systems and they sold more software. So, I mean, I don't know what we can do about that. So yeah, Nintendo just doing really remember well. They, um, remember they had a bad E3 because it was only Smash Brothers. That's right, exactly. And then it's like, okay, yeah, uh, yeah, just yeah, Smash I, I guess, like, I guess, I can see how if you don't love Smash Brothers, you might be surprised that like people do love it as much as they do, but they do. Yep, and and there's a lot of them, and they are not exactly the overlapping with a lot of other fandoms in every way, to the point where it's not this crazy idea that like. Oh, everyone who's, who's going to buy Smash already owns a Switch. Like, I think that was a thing you heard a lot. Yeah, I think a lot, yeah. It's, not just, it's not like Mario Kart fans necessarily. It's, it is right. different. There are people who like Smash Brothers way more than almost any other Nintendo thing. Yep, and it's, uh, yeah, and it's like their whole thing. That's what they play all the time. And, you know, they showed up for this system because, of course, they would at this point. There was a lot of hype around the system already, so they're going to feel good about making that purchase, and that library is just going to make it even easier. So, yeah, it really worked. Um, I think the other thing we wanted to talk about on this list, um, was FIFA 19 was the next EA game at number 13. And then number 14 is battlefield five. Um, first battlefield game, uh, this decade, I think that includes 2010's battlefield bad company two to not make the top 10. And that's if you include both physical and digital sales. Um, yeah, I mean, that seems rough. That seems rough. That's rough. I mean, there's just no, like, yeah, there's like, it's behind grand theft auto five. You know, it, <laughs> like that's the, that's been, been my barometer. Uh, and I still think like, even when Grand Theft Auto five is falling out of the top 10, um, you know, it's kind of worse at that point, right? Like it's Grand yeah, Theft Auto it is number 11 well, yeah. and you're still behind that as a brand new game of one of the biggest franchises launching in the fall. Um, you got, you got to, you got to crack the top 10. What, what happened there? And I mean, this one I do think comes down a lot to Fortnite. I think it comes down to like the PR kerfuffles, even if a lot of them were like, blown up and, and kind of got caught up in that same sort of um, Star Wars, The Last Jedi sort of who knows if this is real or if this is just people being shitheads and just trying to like start shit, uh, which it definitely still feels like that's what it was. Um, but that, you know, I think I pe- that kind of poisons the well for people a little bit. They um, like, oh, I, I don't have to be excited about this game. People are mad about it. I don't even want to be involved with that drama. Get me out of here. I'm just going to keep playing Fortnite. I could see how that could happen. Or or I'm just going to keep playing Blackout because that just came out for Call of Duty a, a month before this. So why wouldn't I just play it that It certainly instead? seems like it. I mean, I don't know how much it would have helped, but maybe having their Battle Royale mode earlier would have. I mean, it couldn't have hurt. Couldn't like, have hurt. It could not couldn't have hurt. hurt. Like, yeah. Um, and, you know, that's coming in March. So there's no reason that they can't still kind of make this game work in a, in a, in a like, you know, we say this a lot, but in a Tom Clancy's uh, Rainbow Six at the Siege sort of way. Um but you know, that's not what this franchise has ever been. Um, it, in fact, it's coming off. It's like best selling one, like uh, battlefield one. Sorry, it seemed like they should have had momentum, but then it's like, it almost hurts at that, that. Like dice made battlefront, right? Cause it like some, it's like all, those games are almost unofficially battlefield games. Now, right. They kind of like carry the sins of each other. I, yeah. That, that might definitely, I think it's like all of these things coming together. I think it's like actually, after getting Call of Duty um, WW2 and after getting Battlefield 1, uh, people, I think, were that the people that were clamoring to go back to that old style boots on the ground combat, um, they got their fix. And then maybe a modern setting actually wouldn't have been the worst thing in the world. 
um, and going from World War One to World War Two right away uh, was maybe a strategic mistake. Um, it, it's, it definitely kind of feels that way. So I mean, it's just like, I don't, it's no one thing. It's no one thing. Uh, you know, and I, if you had to point to one thing, I think the easy thing is Fortnite, but it's just so much more complicated than that. So, um, yeah, a lot going on for this game, but none of them, not in terms of like selling, uh, not it, that it's just, not yeah, that. Just not it that. is and it, for EA who does not have, I mean, very many things. I mean, Madden is like their one sports franchise that's still, I mean, FIFA, Madden and FIFA, Right, like it's, they've always been, but that's always been their thing. That and then Battlefield recently, and now they don't have Battlefield. Maybe right, you know, you like it was always like, oh, when's Battlefield going to overtake Call of Duty? It felt like that was like getting to a point where it was possible. Um, last last time with with World with a uh, Battlefield One, it's like, oh, maybe that maybe right. this well, is Battlefield Five was where... starting here, and then Battlefield One, yeah, because that like, right. Right, and then and, and Battlefield Five was like, oh, we're going to have the single player campaign, so we got an advantage this time. We're very excited about that, and it just didn't matter. It didn't matter. Uh, yeah. So I mean, I think that EA has an identity crisis right now. I think, um, I mean, Activision's in the same boat. These are the two biggest publishers in the video game industry. Uh, they have the the wallets to figure this out. It's just I don't know if they have the um the leadership and the sort of like the the boldness to to change who they are as companies. Like, or if they're just going to continue, like EA's thing is, well, we'll just go buy the next big thing, try to figure out how to make it into an EA thing, kill it in the process, and then start over from scratch. Um, that, you know, that might be harsh, but that is exactly what EA has done a bunch of times now. They're in the process of doing that with Bioware, uh, which feels like if Phantom doesn't work, they have eh, a lot of don't they? Yeah, another one getting taken out to the shed. Now, Anthem could be great, and we could, you know, it could solve all their problems. You know, a success solves all your problems as for one of these companies. But, uh, you know, that's a big if. It's really hard to, to predict what gamers are going to be like. Um, that does it for software. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about hardware. Um, overall, console hardware did really well in 2018. Uh, hardware units, hardware unit and dollar sales reached their highest annual totals since 2009. Um for the 2018 year, hardware spending increased 8% to $5.1 billion. Console hardware sales drove, through growth, drove the growth as PS4, plug-and-play, Switch, and Xbox One all experienced year-over-year gains. Um, plug-and-play are like, you know, the SNES Classic and stuff like that. Um, and, and, you know, and the fact, uh, the fact that everything's growing, but also you have, like, three healthy consoles all selling at the same time, and then you also have these plug-and-play devices on top of that, that's why hardware is like actually like having such a big year uh, compared to like 2009, which was like the last time we had three systems all selling at the same time with the Xbox one or Xbox 360, the Wii and the PlayStation three all really healthy at that point. And then, you know, things kind of went up and down for PlayStation for a bit and things went up and down for Nintendo and even for Xbox. So, uh, so yeah, definitely at that point again. Um, but overall, uh, it was still Nintendo's year. Um, Nintendo Switch ends 2018 as the year's best-selling hardware platform in both units and dollar sales, said Matt Pescatella. Um, annual annual unit and dollar sales of Nintendo Switch are the highest annual total for any hardware platform since the PlayStation 4 in 2015. So, so yeah, just so really, guess, a really good year. I guess my question for you is, does it's 2019 going to be another Switch year? Because they don't yeah, have, I mean... I mean it seems like they have so much momentum now because, again, these games that sell well keep selling well. Um, but, you know, they don't necessarily... They, they, they've, they've played a lot of the cards now. They've played in Smash Bros. In terms of having a big, exciting new release. 
They played the Smash Brothers card, uh, Mario card, Mario Kart card, the Zelda card. They kind of played the Pokemon card. I think people are still going to be plenty excited for like that actual Pokemon game. Yeah, so, I mean, hopefully yeah. they, hopefully they, they really nailed that Pokemon game because it feels like uh, this this one was a step forward in a lot of a lot of ways for a lot of people. And I hope they bring that stuff forward while also making this feel like, oh, now you have the real Pokemon game, which I don't necessarily know how you thread that needle, but it feels like they need to. Um, but you know, that could be huge for them in a way that like, let's go, uh, did very well. It was uh, a top seller in December and, and like, um, like number nine and number 12 for both versions. So if you combine those two, it's probably a little bit higher on the chart. And again, that doesn't include digital. So yes, that, that game's probably number two overall when you get, when, with all, when all things are considered, uh, after smash brothers. Um, and that's in December when it came out in like November or before that even, um, so, yeah, I, I mean, that, that doesn't mean that this next Pokemon game isn't going to hit. It probably is. And then they need, what else do they need? I mean, the, this is probably the time where you start having the stuff like um, Splatoon that you had on the Wii U, where you've had enough time with this system that you can, you know, come do something fresh, do something unexpected. And then, you know, at the same time, like this system is succeeding in the way you, the way the Wii U never was. So like make big bets, like show that you were like investing in the, in the way that Sony was investing in the PlayStation four after it became clear that the system was going to sell way better than they expected. And so they're like, Oh shit, let's just get a bunch of games going. And like, let's see if they can get to hit in like 2016, 2017, 2018. And they all did. And they were all like, almost all of them universally were great. So this should be like the first batch of the, of that kind of game from Nintendo. And hopefully we get And I think it's going to be very interesting to see like how big a splash fire emblem can have on switch. Yes, I'm. I'm anticipating that. I want. I mean, I want to play that game, but more than anything, I just want to see how Nintendo presents it because it really is an opportunity for them to like take it to that even next level. So, so yeah. Um, I I think we're pretty much close to wrapped up. I mean, I guess the last quote I put here from uh, Matt Piscatella is um for December for Nintendo Switch. Uh, it's uh, had hardware dollar sales, hardware, yeah, hardware dollar sales for a single platform since the Nintendo Wii in December, December 9, 2009. It was the, the highest since then. So, uh, yeah, just the best December of this generation and going all the way back to 2009. So just, to, yeah, overall, the, the system just dominated. That is because of, of Smash Brothers right there. There's kind of no way around that. I think people were trying to say. Maybe it was Pokemon, and I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, sure. sure Pokemon, Pokemon doesn't hurt. It never will. It helped. But come on. It was in December when this happened, when Smash came out. Let's just get real about it. So, yeah. It's not like Smash Bros. has suddenly become a big deal. I think, I guess, I think right. some people just didn't understand. Uh, I mean, it was big on 3DS. I mean, for the Wii U, it was one of the biggest games on there. The problem was people just didn't want a Wii U. Right, exactly. So, it's I, I guess... People could have got confused, but it's like, if you look back historically, it was like one of the best selling on the Wii and the GameCube and the N64. Okay. Um, I think just a few other stories. We can hit these real quick. I'm going to skip this one. We sh- the Wii Shop channel is closing forever next week. We could just say that and then move on. Um, uh, th- this one, I don't know if you saw this, but do- the Donkey Kong 64 stream that raised $230,000 yeah. for a transgender youth charity in the UK. This was really good. Um, H bomber guy on YouTube who does these great videos, uh, sometimes about video games, sometimes about other topics. Um, but they're always really insightful and really well-made. Um, he, uh, started a stream where he's like promising to play through all of Donkey Kong 64, 100. It's a 101% run, uh, because he thinks it's a bad game and he wanted to suffer he's for right. people. And he's absolutely right. Um, and he did this in response to, uh, this kind of weird now, uh, British comedian, John, or 
I can't remember his name. Uh, Graham Linehan is what it is. Uh, he made like the IT crowd and, um, and Father Ted shows that people liked 20 years ago. But now he spends most of his time harassing like transgender people on Twitter, which is like a weird way to spend your time. Nice. And he, th- this man convinced uh, the UK lottery system that like grants um, money to, to various charities and stuff. He convinced that lottery to reconsider the money they were going to give to this, 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 this charity that was co- that's called mermaids that does help transgender use. And um, while that money is under consideration, it could still go to the charity or they could pull it. But in response to that, he started the H bomber guy started this donkey Kong 64 stream and ended up raising $230,000. And in the process, he had like a bunch of people come on, like um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the, the senator, for, or the, sorry. The, the, the socialist devil. Exactly. The, the socialist devil that lives in my parents' head nonstop, apparently. Yeah. Um, they, it scares all old people. <laughs> she came on the stream and talked about it and, you know, talked about trans rights and all this stuff. And it was very, it was very crazy to did see she, this happen. Did she like, talk about John Romero? Donkey, go ahead. Yeah. Did she talk about Donkey Kong 64? She did, and she was like, I didn't have it in 64, but I thought it was a really good system. And I think she like said that's like I think it was probably the best system. And then on Twitter she had to correct herself and like I think she said the GameCube is actually the best oh, system. That, so that, that is correct. So, oh, I'll tell you what, at least if it's between those two, that's definitely correct. Yeah, so it was very uh so John Romero showed fun. up. Yeah, John Romero showed uh, up. I think he just that, yelled trans rights and then left. Uh, that's all he did. The FPS very, the FPS legend who hasn't told me to eat a dick. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And so he's kind of he's become uh, an icon now where People are going to Graham Linehan, and I think they're like posting that thing where he's like, suck it down, because I think he also said that. Oh, um, oh did he? Because that's fantastic. Yeah, so that's that's mm. really good stuff. So yeah, he's like a, a hero for them now. I, just I, I'm just never showing up and yelling. Just that. telling people to suck it down. I don't even just say, <laughs> I say suck it down, Daikatana. Like, I do the... Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, you have to say the whole thing. Suck it down, Daikatana. <laughs> Which, if people don't know, like there was, a, I think, an ad that was set for... for the very much anticipated uh, John Romero game, Daikatana, turned out not to be a very good game, but the ad was Suck It Down, and it said Daikatana on it, and it was just, uh, it was a weird thing even back then. You know, this is random, oh. but uh, my one friend, uh, she, she, you know, she plays some games, not a ton, but uh, she, she's mad at me because she, like, loves Donkey Kong 64, and she, like, brought it up, and I was like, yeah, that game's not very good, <laughs> so she, she's very upset, <laughs> it's, like, one of her favorites, and she recently, like, got her 64, and it's like plugged into her TV. She's like, she's like, we're over. She's like playing Donkey Kong 64, just going on about how great it was. I don't know if she's just trying to like convince me or herself. Herself. I don't yeah. know. But then she's like, of course, it's also like plugged to the HD TV. She's like, look, play it. I'm like, oh God, the lag. It looks, it's bad. Yeah. Yeah, but no. It's not good. I mean, I- I've got games like that too. I so. mean, look, I, Donkey Kong 64, I'm sure in the grand scheme of things, is a fine game, but I'm just on a system with. Mario 64, and even Banjo-Kazooie. No, thanks. And just, I mean, it was like the worst of, of Rare Design with the collectathon. It shit. was. It was, it was it really the point was. where people like caught on with how much right. they did that. Like, hmm. Right. And it got out of hand compared to Banjo-Kazooie, for sure. Um, uh, another off-topic thing, uh, the Wedge Woo that you went and tried to steal her, her stuff from her farm, uh, she got back to me on Twitter, and she said she will trade us some iron, and she's uh, got some farming going on, but she needs the farming skill scroll. So when you get online, go get a farming skill scroll, take it out to her, and start trading. I'm not going to be back on my until later tonight now, probably. That's, okay, I'll make it happen. Either make way, I'm happen, very excited. We're, we're making trades happen in an eco. Um, okay, yeah, I I think that does it. I guess uh, the only other story I put here is Sakurai. Um, he had this quote, because Smash Brothers turned 20 years old today or sometime this past week. Um, I'll just read it. Uh, Smash Brothers is 20 years old today. Over these 20 years, I've seen so many people enjoy this series in so many ways. 
at home, at hangouts, at conventions, even in business offices. Notice how he doesn't say uh, fighting game tournaments, though. Um, development has always been hard on me, but I'm supremely happy. Thank you so much for playing. So it, sacrifice, it sacrificing himself. How great, uh, I Kingdom Hearts also true, but how great Smash Brothers is. Like I have so much more fun with that than just about not even like any other fighting game, but pretty much any like local multiplayer game. Uh, it has always, especially since Melee, like Melee, and I think a lot of people same way when it like really clicked. And ever since then, I, I I could play Smash Brothers basically forever and never get bored yep. of it. Yep, but he really did something special, and I'm glad he's proud of him, like proud of what he made. Uh, it's nice to like when creators come out and just say that. So yeah, he did a great job. I'm glad he doesn't um, resent it. Exactly. Yes, I'm glad he. He's. Uh, it seems like he's in a good place with what he's done, and I'm glad he's there. And I don't want to push him out of it. Right. And maybe maybe the Switch will have a long lifespan. So he doesn't necessarily need to make another Smash. Like it, it, it probably nice. sucked in a way that the you know because the Wii U had be a bit, and they he kind of had to make a new Smash Brothers relatively quickly this time around. Yes. But in, then when they did, though, like they made like a freaking awesome one. Like, I, I think I and a lot of people expected them to basically just port the Wii U one over. Instead, it was like a full blown thing. So, you know, good on him. Yep. I think that's going to wrap it up, though, for us, Mike. Uh, so let's uh, let's get this podcast over. We're going to tell everybody where they can find us in a minute. Um, but, yeah, like I said, just keep keep listening for our uh, our talk about eco. Come follow us on Twitch, twitch.tv slash games. But you should definitely watch us there. Um, and we will be talking about it on Twitter and stuff like that. And we'll probably have a post go up maybe on Friday or maybe early next week about what's happened so far. Um, but in the meantime, Mike, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you? Well, everyone can find me at GamesBeat. Uh, please check out my Kingdom Hearts review. And uh, Retro Beat this week is also about Kingdom Hearts, comparing uh, some of the things Kingdom Hearts 3 does differently from Kingdom Hearts 1 and what it maybe could have learned from Kingdom Hearts 1. Uh, also on Twitter as Tolkoto, T-O-L-K-O-T-O. And I do the Exploding Barrel podcast with my brother. And you can find that at ebpodcast.com. And I am Jeff Grubb on Twitter. Um, you can also get me personally on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Jeff Grubb. And YouTube, youtube.com slash Jeffrey Grubb. Um, yeah. Um, until next week, we're going to say goodbye. Have a good one. And, you know, if we, if we end up stealing food from your farm and eco, just, you know. Understand we need that. We need that food. We're, we're starving. Yeah. So Until next week. Have a good one, everybody. Bye. It's garbage. I love it.